It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to chat with Jordan Moreno, a underwater welder and commercial diver. Jordan talks about his journey into the trade when he decided to go to welding school instead of a traditional college and transitioned into the diving world after seeing people working in the water at a shipyard. He helps put some myths and misconceptions to rest about mortality rates, safety, and pay, as well as giving some awesome insight into the type of work he does and the equipment that he uses. Get ready to dive in after a word from our sponsors. Looking to unleash your inner craftsman? Look no further than Outlaw Leather USA, where they specialize in crafting custom-made leather welding gear that offers maximum protection from heat and sparks. With their product's superior quality, construction, and durability, you can count on them to stand up to any job. And with their outstanding customer service and dedication to providing you with the best possible experience, you can trust that you're investing in the quality you deserve. As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Invest in quality with Outlaw Leather USA today. Are you looking for a machine that has the versatility to handle MIG, TIG, and stick, as well as being able to run off of various power sources at the same time? Look no further than the Lincoln Electric 210MP. This was the first machine I picked up when I started my journey into welding, and it has never let me down. Light enough to carry into anywhere I might need to take it, with the ability to plug right into the wall when 220 isn't available, it has helped me build, repair, and create in all kinds of environments. There are all kinds of machines out there on the market, but from my personal experience, putting countless hours on this one, it's the first one I recommend to people looking for their first multi-process welding machine. Find out more over at LincolnElectric.com. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? All right. Yeah. So my name is Jordan Moreno. I am a commercial diver, underwater welder. I've been doing this for coming up on 10 years now. I've been in the welding trade itself for probably around 14 years and then got into this commercial diving thing. At the end of, I believe that would be like 2011 or 12. Were you diving before all this happened? Was that a passion of yours? Yeah. So I had been scuba diving for years before that, just for like recreation and fun, you know, just go down there and just have some fun. So I got into that. And then when I graduated high school, I decided that, you know, I'm not like every typical high school student, you know, there's 
the fortunate few of us that really like to work with our hands and that's where we excel. So I decided to go to a welding school in Troy, Ohio. It's called the Hobart Institute of Welding Technology. I was there and I did their pipe and structural program. I did pretty well for myself there. It's like probably the first time that like I've actually engaged in school, you know, it grabbed my attention. Yeah. And like, I was like, I'm in, I love this. It's great. You know, high school was very tough for me, but I was able to weasel my way through it and made it into the welding school. And when I got out of welding school, I started welding in the shipyards over in Alameda in Northern California. And then I quickly learned about commercial diving, working in the shipyards with some other, there were some other subcontractors there that were divers just working. I'm like, what are these guys doing down there? You know, what's going on? And they're like, all oh, those guys are underwater welders. Well, it turns out they're not, they weren't actually underwater welders. They were just commercial divers doing some offer dam patching, but that's what introduced me to the whole thing. And so I went down that like YouTube rabbit hole mm-hmm. and Google search and all that, and then ended up finding a school in Santa Barbara, California called the uh, Marine Diving Technology, SBCC, Santa Barbara City College, which is, I believe to this day, probably the oldest running dive school. And I'm obviously, you know, partial to them that I think are the best school, but that's just me, you know, that's yeah. just me. <laughs> you know, I have to, you know, I'm alumni there, right? So you got to rep uh, it, man. Yeah, you got to rep it. So then I got, I went to a commercial diving school. I, oh, so I worked for a little bit of time, just paid up some money, paid off my welding school debt. And then I went to commercial diving school, took out another student loan. And I was there for two years or no, like a year and some change, finished the program. And then I got hired on with the company Phoenix International, who specialized in primarily government contract work and oil and gas, but their main bread and butter in underwater welding. That's like what they're really known for. And so I got in with them and then that's just where my career, that's where I say I really learned everything, you know, is, you know, schooling is just to get you the basics, right? Like Mm -hmm. just, you know, just to get you in the door and then everything, just any apprenticeship really, you know, it's, you just, yeah, you got to get out in the field and get time under your belt. And that's where you start really learning everything. Yeah, there's only so many different simulators people can set up, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and in dive school, everything's in like the perfect world, right? You can see everything and, you know, it's so not like the real world, but dive school's fun. Yeah. Dive school's definitely fun. My dad, we used to go sailing all the time, so I'm partial to the aquatic life. I love yeah, being yeah. out on the water, but I've never done the underwater welding and I've done a little bit of diving, but I've done more snuba diving. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But one thing that I really wanted to do is dispel a lot of these myths because there's a lot of different stuff that people say. I've heard everything from, yeah, you're going to make $350,000 a year. You only have to work six months out of the year. There's all this stuff that people say. And I'm excited to have this conversation because it'll be awesome hearing your firsthand experience with it. So when you started working with this company, how long did it take for you to actually go in and do your first weld? Because that's something I've heard. It takes so, a while. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll paint a picture for you. So like when I first started on, you, you hire on what's called a tender. You know, that's your, basically your apprentice title. You know, you're an apprentice to the journeyman diver. And so, you know, you're out, you're tending all the gear. You get thrown a bone here once in a while to go get in the water and do some stuff, you know, you got to learn everything that it takes to run the dive site. Meaning we got dive compressors, hydraulics, electronics going, I mean, you name it, we got it out there. And 
we have to fix everything. So we're the mechanics. We don't have hydraulic mechanics, electrical, like gurus out there. Like we have to tinker on everything. That's we're out there at sea or in some foreign country and we're the ones that have to fix it. So that's like the most important stuff you're going to learn is how to run the deck and how to take care of all that equipment. So once you've proven yourself in that area, that can take anywhere from about a year to, to two years. I mean, it can be longer than that. It also depends on how much workload is going on. You know, if obviously there's a lot of work and you're a good hand and you're out there shitting and getting, you know, things can go pretty quick. For, uh, it took about two years for me to break out. Breaking out is what we call it when you become a diver, like you're a diver. So, but anyway, back to the tending thing. So I think maybe within like my first six months, I was in the testing tank, just practicing. They had seen my welding capabilities, top side welding, and saw that, hey, you know what? This kid can weld. He obviously didn't bullshit on his resume to us. Mm -hmm. So let's get him in the tank and start doing some practicing. So it getting into the tank, you know, it, it happens actually pretty quick. But to get out there and be able to start making it like in the field and doing field welds, yeah, I'd say that probably took a solid four years. Dang. Before it was like I was like given free range to go down there and not totally mess it up, you know? Yeah. That's a, an expectation that people got to go in with is you're not going to just step on a ship and they're like, all right, get in there. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. Some jobs that it might be a temporary weld and that's definitely you're, you're proving grounds for somebody who wants to get in and start getting qualified or throw you in on something like that, where it's, it's not a big deal. It's just temporary. It's just a little you know, appendage we're going to put on, maybe a little pad eye to move something here and there in the water and just get you comfortable in the water welding and all of that good stuff. But before even, so like after you've proven yourself, okay, look, this guy, he's a good guy. He's a hard worker. You know, he's a good welder. Now let's really get him into the weld, underwater welding program. And then you'll start off. First things first is you're going to go through all your NDT training and workmanship training first. So you're going to get your MT mag particle uh, UT gauge, UT shear wave, liquid penetrant, workmanship, VT. You're going to get all that stuff done. And then, and then you'll start getting more into the tank and practicing and start getting qualified. Once you start getting qualified, I mean, the, the possibilities are really endless. Once you're in that tank, if you can get all your stuff done and like as quick as you can, that's like the best way to get it because it's very expensive to certify somebody in underwater welding. I mean, just the rods alone are expensive, but then you got a full crew of guys that have to be there. So you're running a tank, you got a supervisor, you got a tender, you got a standby diver, you got a diver in the tank welding, you got material that needs to be cut, beveled, prepped, and you got really expensive welding rods. And so it's a very expensive endeavor. Yeah. So, you know, when we get the guys down there, we try to get as much in as we can, but at the same time, we have to support projects as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, I was very fortunate when I was going through, there was a time where they were trying to get some guys called and I just so happened to just transfer from our Louisiana office to our San Diego office and got there right in the time where I got to just kind of slip in with these older guys that were like way ahead of me, but they were like, there was a little bit extra time. They're like, all right, get in. And I got in. I was able to get the majority of the qualifications that I needed to start welding on all these big projects. And, you know, so it, it is a lot of it does have to play with timing. It's very crucial. And, and you don't really have control over that all the time, you know? Yeah. I want to step back to a couple things. How long are your shifts? Oh, it's minimum 12. 12 hours a day, seven days a week until the job's done. I've had a, I've a hitch is what we call it. I'm, I'm sure you've 
heard that term before is how long a job is going to be. The longest I've had without a day off is probably like just over three months. I was in Africa in Equatorial Guinea. And that was a long one. Yeah. 12 hour days, but you'll do, it's not odd to do 15s, 18s. That split between topside and underwater or. So what I want to say 12 hour day, I'll I'll just mean like the total work day was 12. Now, depending on depth, and what we're doing, there's a limitation on how long we can be underwater. The majority of the work that I have been doing primarily in the last six years have been pretty shallow, working all on government, Navy ships, submarines, etc. So at that depth that we're working there is pretty shallow, like maybe max 30 foot, so it's not deep. So we have basically unlimited body time, and we'll try to keep it six hours in the water, six hours on deck. So we have a good rotation, so you're not burning the guys out, you know. After six hours, you see just the decline in productivity like, immensely. So we try to make it fair, you know. What is it like being underwater? I mean, I can only imagine being underwater for five hours, you know. It's like you hit that fifth hour. What is your mental state like? You know, that's funny you ask because it really depends on how the dive is going. You know, some dives, it just goes like nothing. Everything's going great, super sweet, awesome, perfect. And then some dives, you're just dreading. It's a terrible dive. Nothing. All the machines are breaking down. The hydraulics are busting hoses, you know everything's just breaking on deck. They can't get things down to you in time. You know, it's, it, it can be really frustrating. That's why it, it's such a team endeavor. It is such a team career that like, it's never just a one man show. It takes so many of us to get this project, right? Your team, your crew is what's going to make or break the job. With the materials you're working on, are you, so this is something I've never really understood. Is it all going to be just like carbon steel or are you working on like stainless? Are you working, able to do like AC welding under there? What kind of material? That's a really good question. Primarily when we're talking with ships, you know, depending on the type, whether it's a commercial ship or it's a military ship, they're made out of different types of steels. So what we'll do is take a metal sample of a ship and we'll get the carbon content and that'll tell us what kind of welding rods we'll be using. It's a really high steel, like a HY80 or HSLA 100 or something like that. We're going to go ahead and use a nickel rod for welding those two together so it doesn't crack out. Otherwise it'll just totally crack. But we also, and, and that's all on DC welding. We don't do AC welding underwater. It's very dangerous. You won't see it. If you see somebody on a job site and they have a generator welder out there that can be do DC or AC, and maybe you see them out there, I probably wouldn't want to work for that company. Yeah, just because that somebody could just flip a switch and that that can be life or death for you. So, yeah, we don't ever use AC welding. But in the wet, when we're talking wet welding, so we can do stainless. We can do stainless to steel. We've done some manel to manel, copper nickel, and then, but the majority of it is all steel to steel. Okay. And the rods you're using, they're coated in wax, or is there another type of coating that they're... Yeah, so depending on the manufacturer, you have broke, the, the two big dogs are is Broco and Hydro Weld for, when it comes to steel. When it comes to nickel rods, there's only one company right now is Oxylance, but Broco is dipped in like a a wax type formula. I couldn't tell you the exact formula. It's a super secret patenting. <laughs> yeah, right. It's probably just written on the back of somebody's like tally book, like some <laughs> recipe, you know. But Tiger Weld uses more of a polyurethane dip, so it's a harder coating. Uh, 
personally, I think it burns a lot better, welds a lot better. That rod just welds super sweet. Broco welds really sweet too. Just two different things, two different, you got to know when to use which one. So so your puddle, when you're like looking at your puddle, is it going to have the same characteristics that you would see on a normal puddle or is... Absolutely. It's, everything is the same. The only difference is now you get a little bit of visual disturbance due to like bubbles and obviously the visibility isn't so great underwater all the time. So that plays a huge part in it. If there's current going through the water, it'll start blowing out your puddle. You know, we get a lot of magnetic arc blow. These ships, especially military ships, they go through gaussing fields and they magnetize them to change the signature of the ships. So you, on radar, they look smaller or bigger. So, and it magnetizes the whole ship. So it's just like welding on a magnet, you know, it's just horrendous. <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, a lot of putting it in, grinding it out, putting it in, grinding it out until, you know, it decides to take it. Well, that, that brings me to another question. The grinders, is there, what's up with that? Is there a specific company that makes an underwater grinder or? Yeah. I mean, there is, a, there's a couple of companies. Stanley's a big name. I'm sure you know Stanley. They make hydraulic tools. They make a nine inch grinder. We like to use a four inch grind, a four and a half inch grinder. It's a hydraulic grinder. just okay. like a electric grinder, but it's ran with hydraulics and it, Works sweet. We got die grinders out of hydraulic too. We got steel saws with metal cutting blades. We can cut steel underwater with that. You know, there's tons of tools that we have that that we use as aids. They got they even have battery powered grinders now. Dang, that are waterproof. They're all right. You know, for a quick job, quick little thing here and there, yeah, they totally work. And the abrasives is it a special like type of abrasive or just a normal? No, we've we it's the exact same abrasives. We just figured out the brands that work really well underwater just depending on the type whether we use like a type 27 made by flexible called the metal hog they're a bit thicker than a true eighth inch they're more like a true quarter inch but they call them eighth inch grinding discs and they just they're denser so they just hold up a lot better they don't shatter because a lot of the times the thinner ones like a radnor or something that's a little bit more on their lower end They'll just, they won't last very long. They just spin and fly apart. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a school that'll give you the art time you need and skills to succeed out in the workforce? Look no further than our friends over at Art Labs. With four locations spread across South Carolina and one out in Houston, you have plenty of options on where to attend. Learn from professionals in the pipe, structural, pharmaceutical, shipbuilding, and construction industries who will teach you more than just how to pass a test, but how to excel in your job. Speaking of jobs, they also work with you on job placement, offering guidance on industries and prepping you for what you will encounter not only on their weld test, but also out in the field. They've even started a new internship program where you can get real-world experience that can turn into your next job. Their students have gone on to land jobs with companies like Lockheed Martin, Boiler Tube of America, Arc Energy, Crowder, Ingalls, and many more. If you're ready to jump into a career and get the best training around, head on over to artlabs.edu to find out more information today. Have you experienced the power of black and yellow yet? Those are the sharp shades of ESOB welding and cutting. And though the brand has been around since 1904, its welding power doesn't live in the past. Oh no. ESOB is breaking through the limits of what welding equipment can do every damn day. 
Plug into the full MIG, TIG, and stick package of Rebel. See under the hood with Sentinel's wide view and perfect optics. Cut time and mistakes with Thermodynamics Manual Plasma Cutter. Simplify your automated welding with the app-based software of Esob Cobot. Even go off-grid with the Ruffian, the best compact engine drive you'll ever lay your gloves on. Or Volt, the first and only welder to run on DeWalt standard power tool batteries. How incredibly powerful is that partnership? ESOB is leading a new age of welding power, and that power belongs in your hands. Check out the full light and heavy industrial lineups at ESOB.com. That sounds dangerous, and underwater welding is notoriously dangerous. What are people wrong about when it comes to the dangers of underwater welding? The way I would put it is like any construction site, it has its, its dangers. So we have all that as well. Not to mention, I'd like to say we're shorthanded on everything underwater because I don't have a crew of 10 guys. It's me and one other guy. Yeah. So, you know, you're doing train ops and all that stuff. The cranes can't see you. You're directing them by radio. So there's no visual aid for them. So you are their eyes and their ears. So you have, that's dangerous. If you're talking about like decompression sickness and stuff like that, you know, the pioneers in the eighties, they did a lot of testing and they messed up a lot of guys going through this testing and they paved the way for us. It's, I would say it's very safe. It's very regulated on our tables, on how we run them. And I really think it's up to the, the diver gets hurt more than likely it was something the diver did that he wasn't supposed to do nine times out of 10 it's fairly safe so a lot of people like what about you know have you ever done any of the hyperbaric welding oh tons yeah so i've heard like with that you know it's like you're going much deeper and you're using like mixed atmospheres in those so, like, I've heard in the past people pump in, like, oxygen mixed with helium because it helps with your, like, so, body. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that'll help you with decompression, the nitrogen bubbles out of your bloodstream. That will be done, yeah, yeah in very deep depths. You'll breathe a helium-oxygen mixture, whether you're welding or not, just diving deep. And you're going to be diving at uh, some type of mixed gas. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to hyperbaric welding, I mean, to think of it, it's not like, well, that's exactly what it is. So take, think of a visual aid, like a bucket upside down, put it in a thing of water, like a tub of water, and it's going to hold a bubble. And then just like you dive into there and then that's where you do your welding. Now there's a lot more to it because we have to preheat and got to get all the moisture out of there. We put a preheat pads just like you do on any type of, you know, structural, big structural repair or pipeline repair. We wrap it in preheats kick on the machine, let it cook for as long as it takes to get up to temperature. And then we start welding away. Now in hyperbaric welding, we can do all sorts of different kinds of processors. So I'm very familiar with doing a lot of TIG welding. Hyperbarically, we do a lot of socket welding for copper nickels, manels, stainless steels, exotic, like all the manel exotics, two carbon steels. We also developed a procedure for wound. Uh, repairing aluminum ships underwater, which is a big deal. That's not easy to do in a very wet environment. Yeah. If you can imagine, if you can imagine, and we use, we, for that, we use a spool gun is what we, we go to for that. 
And, and then when it comes to the TIG welding, you know, we, we, there's some modifications we do to the welding leads and stuff to make them more waterproof at the connection points. You know, we use stuff called Martian Marines for the remotes. The high frequency doesn't really work very well. Like when I say high frequency, I don't mean high frequency AC because we don't use AC, but yeah. like high frequency starting on like yeah. a TIG, on a DC TIG welder, like they, it doesn't work that great due to the loop of the, the welding circuit. You have to keep it under, I think it's 150 foot for that. So this regular lift arc or just the, you know, scratch start. Yeah. Scratch start it will, will suffice for that. So I've heard in the past that. Sometimes you're like in a container, like they'll send you down as you and another person in a container for like 30 days. Have you ever okay, done something like that? I, I have never done saturation diving. That is called saturation diving. That's mainly for deep. Well, it was mainly for deep. Now that ROVs, robotics have taken over pretty much the deep water scene. They use it in a little bit shallower areas so people have more bottom times. It's just, it's done still. It's just not as much as it used to be. You okay. know, that used to be like where you'd make your money. And yeah. that's really, I mean, yeah, people still make good money doing that. But the work is far and few between. And there's a big influx of, you know, you get a lot of divers from India now. You get a lot of divers from Philippines, Thailand. And they all basically get into the bucket for a fraction of the price. And when you have unlimited bottom time and... There, there's not a whole lot of welding going on at that depth anymore. I'd say almost none. Yeah, you know everything's smart flanges and and can be done a ton without a human being. So that's just regular work, commercial diving. I mean, it really and if you can turn a wrench on the surface, you can turn a wrench into water. You know, I mean, yeah. So that's kind of what that's gone to the the big bread and butter. Which I'm sure it's probably a big question, right? Money, right? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I I was definitely gonna gonna transition into the money for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, the money thing. So like I'm saying, I can only give you what I've experienced in, in my career. I can't, I don't know what's happening to everybody else out there. I can just tell you what has happened for me. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you my first year ever in the industry, I only made like $60,000 and which was good to me. I mean, I was like, Ooh, I ain't never seen that much money before. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, and I worked my ass off that year and then probably the last I'd say the majority of my, yeah, the majority of my career after that had been always over 100,000 a year, but mainly more like around 200, 275 a year. But that's, you know, you're working your butt off, you know, I mean, you're working, you're probably gone for seven, eight months out of the year, you know, and traveling all over different countries, flying all over the place, you know, it's very tiring. It's really hard on the family life. It's really hard to try to find that work-life balance. How does that break down though? Just trying to break down like what that salary would be. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not just so, like one hourly yeah. rate. You got your different right. rates. For right. Different so like you have tons of different rates. Okay. So now say you're traveling and mm-hmm. this will vary depending on where you live and what companies you work for, but in your traveling on your traveling hours, I don't know, you could maybe if you're a senior guy, you could look at maybe 30 bucks and 25 to 30 bucks an hour to sit on a plane, you know, for your whole traveling trip. And then when you get to the job site, I believe our Oconos rate, which is outside of Connor United States, is like somewhere between fifty to sixty-five dollars an hour. And then you got in-water pay, depending on what region you're in, that's usually about a hundred dollars, ninety-five dollars an hour. And then on top of that, you get to pocket all your per diem. 
you know yeah you're on a ship you can't really well no that's mainly like hotel diving so most i would say the main my almost my whole career besides oil and gas have been diving off of the side of a pier and we're staying in hotels so you get to eat whatever you want you know it's i mean it's like it's not it, a bad game, you know. <laughs> no, it, it kind of sounds like living like a rock star, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're just like traveling the world, you're seeing all sorts of things, you're going to exotic places, you're eating exotic food, you're staying in really nice hotels, you know, you're flying first class places because now you have, you've flown so much, you have status, these airlines upgrade you now because you're like a freak of flyer. And so it, you can get lost. I call it getting lost in the sauce, you know, you, mm-hmm. you kind of like, separate and you got to kind of try to reel it back in uh to get your work life balanced otherwise you can get lost you know yeah don't you get paid the deeper you go to yes there is depth pay i've just heard companies bringing back zero to 50 foot is a dollar a foot because for a while they they got rid of it zero to 50 wasn't heard of you only getting paid 50 over so it's typically it it could have gone up but i believe like standard it's like a dollar from zero to 50 foot per foot, you get a dollar. And then from 50 to 100 foot, it's like a dollar 50 or dollar 75. And then from 150 forward is uh, probably two something, you know, it, 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 each company does a little different because some companies will have a, a lower hourly rate, but a higher depth pay rate, or they'll have a lower depth pay rate, but a way bigger hourly rate. So it's dependent. So if somebody was interested in doing this, like what age would you say? Is this like a young man's game or is this? I would have to say this is a young man's game. If you're getting into this prime age would be if you could get, if you could go to welding school, then go to diving school, work a little bit in the welding trade, get a little time under your belt and then get into the diving you're probably looking, I'd say a really good age would be like 21. Try to at least be maybe 22, kind of past that 21 year. You know, <laughs> a lot of bad things can happen in that year. Oh, yeah. But it, yeah, it's a young man's game. If I'd say if you're trying to get in the industry and you're like over 35, almost getting to 40, you I wouldn't start. And, you know, I've seen it done. I've seen people get into it, but it's just not, it just takes so long to make a name for yourself. And it's so case dependent on what's going on and how you are as a worker Mm -hmm. that you could really i've seen some guys just really mess up their lives with trying to chase this dream and they're just they got a family to feed they got a house to pay for they got all these things that only really a young man could really leave behind yeah right you can get up and just leave everything and not worry about bills back home and just live on the road like and make a name for yourself and then you can start having the family life and all that. And, you know, that's kind of how it works. Okay. When you're down there, there's wildlife with you. How much does that play into it? Do fish, sharks, all that stuff? So as a diver, you don't even notice them. I mean, you're making so much noise and bubbles and banging around on things and you're busy working. You don't see them. They don't want anything to do with you. They're scared of you. They they don't want you. Nothing. I mean, yeah, you see sharks. Sure. Do you see you know, all sorts of other marine life. Absolutely. The big thing offshore is manta rays and stuff like that because they'll grab your umbilical and then they can drag you. And they, they've killed a couple guys dragging them up to surface, ripping them off of a dive station. Damn. 
I, I would have never even thought a manta ray is the thing you would be more afraid of, you know? I know, yeah, I know. It's like this gentle, big, gentle creature, but it just grabs your hose by accident with its wingspan and just takes people. Dang. That, that like, because everybody, the main thing everybody always is like, yeah, well, you might get eaten by a shark. And it's like, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, nah. <laughs> nah, they, I mean, no, nah, they don't. No. Nah. I've never heard of a commercial diver being bit by a shark without him asking for it. Yeah. Without talking. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's a lot of really big misconceptions there as far as is there a certain age that they don't let you dive anymore is there a cut off on that well so i mean i guess inherently with age certain things start coming about physiologically right so you have to pass a dive physical every year and if the diving doctor doesn't thank you well enough you know they'll just pull your ticket it's you can't dive no more but there's not like a set age but it's all just based on how your body how you did you treat your body like an amusement park or did you treat your body like a holy temple you know it, it all just depends i know guys that are well into their 50s late 50s diving no problem yeah and they're in better shape than me you know and it, it, naturally in diving we tend to be a little bit better shaped than most because of the work of what it entails but yeah it's all just based on you know how do you take care of your body do you eat right you know, not partying too much, exercise regularly. Are you a safe worker? You know, and then there's things that can happen unknowingly, you know, cancer, or, you know, just things like that, where, you know, they just, there's not enough studies behind it and they can't just go ahead and say, yeah, you can dive. If there's no studies behind it, it's not worth the doctor's reputation to put you down there. And then something happens and that links it back to them. So they'll just pull your ticket for that. Things like that as well. Because a big topic that I mean, I was told this when I went to school was that the mortality rate in the underwater welding field is fifty-seven percent, and I was just like, okay, you're going down with two people. How is that even possible? You know, is that a real statistic, or is that just something to scare people off because it's really hard to get into? I I think that was probably something that. Is based off of from like the 80s and 90s. Uh, probably some really outdated numbers, really, because I, I've been fortunate enough to not know anyone that's passed away yet in the line of work. I know people that I've worked with previously that have passed away, but not to diving. Yeah. I don't understand why that is spread, you know, so I'm glad that you I, are. I think it's because, you know, like it's like social media, right? Like, Bad news is good news to yeah. people, right? So that's what you're going to hear. Oh my God, you know, everyone's, you know, going left and right. But no, that's not really the case. You know, if a company is killing people, they're not going to be around very long. Yeah. You know, the government and societies, they're going to shut them down eventually. And, you know, it's what scares, what the really scary thing is, and, and, and it's really important for anyone who wants to get into this or anybody who's just getting started is, you know, you are your best source of judgment if you think that something is wrong or you think it's not safe we don't do it it's your life so or uh, maybe a good friend of yours life so you always just have to be vigilant and and know that you are the at the end of the day you're the one who could say i want to do it or i don't you don't always just have to prove that you're like this big badass guy and go down there and hurt yourself you know i usually end every single episode with what would your biggest advice just 
to people either new into the welding world, wanting, like, interested in it, what kind of skills or what kind of work ethic, like, things like that, what would be your biggest advice for them? Well, besides being a go-getter, you know, being a hard worker, you know, being a smart worker, obviously being a safe worker, and, you know, in in this field, you have to be willing to travel. That It's like 80% travel. So if you can't do that, it's going to be hard to really kind of make a name for yourself. Also, it's very important to know other skill sets, mechanics, hydraulic mechanics, electrical, you know, not just the welding, fabrication, you know, all of that is, it, it takes a lot more than just the welding. You know, that's the welding portion of it, of any big welding job I've been on is probably still only maybe like 35, 40% of the job. There's still tons of other things that come in between there that get you to, you know, the end result, but definitely be a hard worker, pay attention, ask questions. No question is a bad question. Even if you think it's like, oh, this is really stupid for asking. If not, you're never stupid for asking a question because you're asking so you don't mess it up. That's fine. I'd rather have you ask and not mess it up than mess it up and then ask. So, you know, definitely those and just, I mean, really at the end of the day, you got to know how to balance work and life. And if you don't, you're going to get caught on either one where work is taken over and you become resentful at work or your personal life is now more important than the job and you can't do what you have to do at work. So I would say understanding balance is probably the best way to have a long career in commercial diving, underwater welding type area. That's awesome. That's great advice. And one last thing. One last thing. Do you prefer to be called an underwater welder or a commercial diver? I, I like to be called an underwater welder because that I had worked really hard to get all my certifications to be able to call myself that, right? Mm-hmm. So that that is what I identify as, right? No, but commercial diver, underwater welder, you know. Because I've heard it both ways. Like shit, some people be whatever. bad. <laughs> you know, but I will tell you there is one thing is it's never a diver welder. It's always a welder diver. Because you can't teach a diver how to weld, but you can teach a welder how to dive. The skill set is in the welding. The diving is just the mode of transportation to get there. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. And thank you, Jordan, for letting me geek out a bit and ask you all my questions. I also want to give a shout out to our amazing sponsors, Outlaw Leather, Lincoln Electric, Arc Labs, and Esob for making the show possible and helping us all learn about the different pathways out there in the welding industry. If you have a topic that you'd like me to cover on the show or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me on the Weld app, at Bo Did It, or shoot me an email to bow at weld.com. Speaking of the app, did you know we have some underwater welding videos and inspection videos in the e-learning section? If you didn't know, now you know. Download the app, become a member, and see everything it has to offer to help take your career to the next level. Until next week, we'll see you out there.